Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on the podcast, we will talk about the just concluded Magic and Raptors playoff series and the rest of the NBA playoffs with Danny Thompson from AroundTheAssociation.com. He is standing by in the virtual green room and we will discuss all things playoffs in the association with him in just a little bit. But first, are you ready for my mock draft? Well, you're going to have to keep waiting (laughs) because I find mock drafts to be a little bit tedious and ridiculous for the National Football League. And I find the NFL in April to be a tough sports radio listen for that reason. First, the schedule release, and then we get um, everybody and their brother. All right, let's break down how each team's going to do in this season. All right, the Cowboys and the Redskins. Uh, the, the Cowboys will win that one. Next week against the Giants, they'll lose. Oh, Come on, you can't predict NFL games in April. Why do we go through this? And then we get the endless amounts of mock drafts. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And regardless of that, the NFL has made, without a doubt, their product a year-round product. And it's captivating their fans who wait on edge for the schedule release. They're going to be watching the draft in prime time. On NFL Network, ESPN, ABC, and pretty soon they'll be on eight networks <laughs> doing the draft from all different angles inside. So it'll be interesting to see how the, how it all plays out. And the one thing I want to see less of in this year's draft are the WWE-style draft announcements. Now, I hate to blame one of my cowboy heroes, Drew Pearson, for this. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, when he decided to light into the Philadelphia crowd with the Cowboys draft pick of Cheeto Wizier, you know, it, it was outstanding. And it was great. And then the next season in Dallas, David Akers announces the Eagles pick, and he totally rips off Drew Pearson and does that same shtick. But then... It's created a monster because right after that, it seemed like every other guy coming to the podium was, Hey, Dallas! Hey! Yeah. <laughs> Let's tone it down some. Don't take a good thing and make it a bad thing. Odell Beckham has gone off on the New York Giants. Now, doesn't surprise me any. This is one of the reasons why I think Odell is going to be a problem for the Browns at some point. Because he just can't help himself. Just like Antonio Brown will become a problem for the Raiders at some point. It again goes back to this, you know, we we have all these guys who get their feelings hurt and they have to spout off. And it's like, to me, if you focus on this thing, you're not going to go forward very well. It will come back to bite you at some particular point. So I don't, you know, you could say grow up, guys, but you know, it just isn't going to happen. All right. 
right time now to talk NBA playoffs. Danny Thompson from AroundTheAssociation.com is here to help us break it down. We're going to talk about the Magic and Raptors first. Danny, thanks for uh, taking time. Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Our first time on the show. Glad to be on. Great to have you. So the Magic losing five to the Raptors. Many had predicted this and some a sweep even. So the result really no surprise, but still hard to swallow for Magic fans just the same. It's a, it's a hard pill to swallow only because if you really think about it, three of the games, the Magic weren't really in those games. Game two, game four, and game five, you know, they were pretty much blowouts. And I think if if the series would have been a little bit more competitive, losing at five wouldn't have felt so bad compared to getting blown out in three of the five games in the series. So can you make the argument the series was decided in Game 3? You know, the Magic had clawed back and took a one-point lead in the third quarter, and, the, and then the Raptors went on a 16-0 run. It was almost like the Raptors were saying, okay, we're kind of done playing here, guys. I think you can go back to Game 2. Um, really, to me, the series had made a turning point in Game 2 when the Raptors really went in and did what they are supposed to do. Because if you think about it, in the Raptors' history, um, they've never played well in Game 1s. They've always turned it on in game two. And normally when they play, play well in game two, the series normally goes in their favor. Hmm. And so when I realized the magic in game two, especially with Vucevic not being able to get down low against Gasol and not do what Vucevic, what Nick had been doing the entire season, which is basically putting up 20 and 10 games by scoring in the post and going from inside out, when I realized he wasn't going inside, I knew Orlando was in trouble at that point. Yeah, and so Gasol really turned out to be his kryptonite. It's, it's the one thing with Vucevic is that if you watch enough Vucevic, if the center isn't as if the center is stronger than him, and he's posting up and it's like he's hitting a brick wall, it seems like he gets a little bit more intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like when you play against a good guy Gasol, it's like he was intimidated because of the fact that Gasol is extremely strong, but also Gasol is extremely smart. So a lot of the post moves and pump fakes and stuff that Vucevic gets away with against not-so-good defenders, he doesn't get away with that against Gasol. Gasol's one of the smartest defenders in the league. And I think uh, early on, Vuce was frustrated, and I don't think he never got himself the rest of the series. And you obviously would give the Raptors a great credit on defense, but I think it has to be frustrating, too. The Magic couldn't get all their key offensive pieces going at the same time in the series like they did in the back part of the season. Agreed. Um, Terrence Ross didn't have exactly the best series, and when he had a good game, Evan Fournier struggled in Game Three. Um, when Aaron Gordon had his best game in the playoff, the best game of playoffs in Game Four, nobody else showed up really. You know, and you know, Boost the only time we really had everybody going was Game Three. Like you said, that's the game we should have won at home. Um, but Evan only hit one shot in the game, and you know, there was a little. I had some questions about Clifford's substitution patterns in Game Three especially towards the end when they had Fournier in the game over Isaac, it, you know, it kind of just, it just all adds together. And we're at this moment, we're having this conversation now about the team. So the season has come to an end. So now the focus goes to the off season and looking forward ahead to the next season. What do you think are the key things that have to happen for the magic to continue the rebuild going in the Northern direction? Well, the real question is, what is Jeff Waldman and John Hammond going to do with the situation with Nikola Vucevic? Now, you know, it, with Vucevic and Terrence Roth both having cap holes on the team, um, it kind of hampers free agency. 
So if they renounce the rights to everybody on the roster, which includes Kim Burks, which I know they're not going to be able to resign, he's going to get money somewhere else. Uh, Wes Awandu, um, Jared Martin, um, among others, and then Vucevic, and then oh, Michael Carter Williams. If they renounce everybody on the roster, the Magic will have about twenty-one to twenty-two million dollars to spend in free agency. If they have to match Vucevic, or they're going to be able to go after Vucevic and sign long term, you're in the cap. At that point, you have to resign Terrence Ross because you can't let a guy who's your your biggest offensive weapon off the bench go away either. You're going to have to match somebody who's going to offer Terrence Ross starting money at about $70 million, which puts the Magic right back in a cap situation they didn't want to be in in the first place. But I think the real question for the, for Jeff Weltman and John Hammond is that if, if Vucevic is kept, what is the number that's going to be good enough for the team and good enough for Vucevic that all parties are happy? And that's the question because if the number gets to be too high, I don't see those. I don't see the front office matching it, and that will leave one of the longest tenure Magic player and also more, probably one of the more beloved players in the franchise not being a member of the Magic next season. And that's going to be a scary proposition going forward, especially with not having a lottery pick in the draft. Yeah. So. You know, the Magic did get back to the playoffs after a seven-year drought. And, you know, you mentioned Steve Clifford. You you had some issues with the substitution patterns in the in the playoff series with the Raptors. But comment on the job you thought he did overall for the season and getting the Magic at least back into the playoffs. If you want to count this season success, you just look at one major statistic. I think the Magic last year were 26 in the NBA in defense. They were a top-10 defense this year in the NBA. If, it, if Steve Clifford could put his hat on one thing, it's the fact that he turned a team that was not a playoff team, especially defensively, into a team that literally was only because of a tiebreaker tied for the sixth-best record in the Eastern Conference. With technically basically the same team that, that, that uh, Frank Vogel had last year, the only difference was they had Mo Bamba for about half the season and they signed Michael Carter-Williams. All the major guys, that were, all the key rotation guys, all returned from last season. So I think Clifford is one of the, he had a top five coaching season, um, especially given the Central Division, uh, the Southeast Division Championship. So I give his performance this year a, a definitely high B plus, low A minus. He had a great job this year. And uh, Markel Fultz, the, they made the trade for him. Obviously, uh, he was injured goods. Uh, any any insight into what what's going to happen with him in the future? Well, I ran into him um, as the season ended. He was at one of the games. I just had a quick, maybe about 7.9 seconds to speak to him as he was walking and passing. I asked him how he was feeling. He said he's feeling great. Um, I don't, Magic fans should not expect to see Martel Fultz in Summer League. I don't expect him playing in Summer League. I think they're going to keep him under wraps. He looks like he's in great shape. And I think a fresh start would do something well, do well for everybody in the, in, in, in the whole idea of things. And he's playing, he's in the right situation. Um, I don't think you see him until training camp. And if he is, I'll say, Jeff, if he's 90% of the player that he was at the University of Washington, we stole the number one overall pick of the draft for a guy that was not playing and a draft pick that really wasn't going to be, a draft pick that we had obtained anyway from the Sixers. So we might have gotten one of the biggest steals the, the, the NBA has had a long time as long as Foles can come back to be about 90% of what he was at the University of Washington. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. So the Raptors 
beat the Magic, and they will go on to face the Philadelphia 76ers, who uh, were also winners in a five-game series over Brooklyn. How do you see the Toronto-Philadelphia series taking taking shape? Jeff, the real, the real matchup, if you were going to pay attention, is the benches. Philadelphia doesn't have much of a bench, and Toronto has one of the best benches in the league. Because if you look at the Philadelphia starting five, their starting five matches, well, actually, when DeMarcus Cousins healthy, they match the start, the talent of the starting five of the Golden State Warriors by, by faces and names because of the star power. The Sixers' main problem is that once the starters come out of the game, the bench isn't very good. In Toronto's case, when Toronto has to go into the bench when Kyle Lowry goes out of the game or if he's struggling, Fred Van Fleet, he can play basketball. We saw him in the series. We saw what Norm Powell can do, especially towards the end of the series. He's looking like Norm Powell that actually got that big contract. Serge Ibaka is now coming off the bench. The Raptors have a good bench, and then at the same time, Siakam and, and Kawhi Leonard are matchup nightmares. We saw this with Siakam. The second Isaac gets in foul trouble, and they had to put Ross and Fournier on him, his length is extreme, he's extremely long. And another, another point is, Jeff, that Ben Simmons struggled when Kawhi Leonard guarded him in the regular season. The Raptors beat him three games to one in the regular season, and the only reason why Philadelphia won that other game is because Kawhi Leonard didn't play this in the fourth game of the, uh, between the, uh, the two teams. On the other side, the other semifinal has uh, Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, Milwaukee swept Detroit. Boston swept Indiana. And uh, this has an intriguing matchup aspect to it as well. What are your thoughts on that series? It's going to be one of the, like I said, these two conferences, these two series are going to be fun to watch. I think this is the one that everybody has their, cir- their calendar circle for because it's a rematch of last year's playoff series that is the reason why Magic fans were wanting Terry Rozier is the reason why Terry Rozier might get a $100 million contract in the NBA because of the series of, of the damage he did to Eric Bledsoe in last year's playoffs. The nickname Scary Terry came because he scared Eric Bledsoe into a, a new, another world last year, and, and Rozier rose to stock to, to heights of new levels. Now, it's a rematch of that series. The only difference is that Boston now has Kyrie Irving, and it looks to be a healthy Gordon Hayward. Hayward's been phenomenal, um, especially starting with the Gordon Hayward that we were looking at at Utah. On the Bucks' end, they're going to miss Malcolm Brogdon. They, you're going to miss him more than ever in this series because Boston has such good guard play. Um, Brogdon was a guy that played point guard and also the team's best uh, 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 the permanent defender. And I worry about the Bucks because a lot of times they seem to be too lenient on Giannis to make all the offensive plays and do all and do everything else. I'm going to need to see something from Chris Middleton, uh, Eric Bledsoe, also Brooke Lopez, and guys like Sterling Brown and Tony Snell. If they can get Miritich back in, in the lineup and Ilya Silva. They've got to get contribution from other players, George Hill. Somebody's got to step up in this series because the Sixers, when you have four potential all-stars in the starting lineup, and if Brett Brown can figure out rotations to stagger those guys like Steve Kerr does in Oakland, if they can't do it, the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry um, the Celtics, Brad Stevens, um, I'm thinking wrong The Celtics have all the guys in all the talent in the world because you have guys like Kyrie Irving, you have Hayward, you have uh, Jalen Brown who actually stepped his game up in the last series, Jason Tatum who's a star in the making, Al Horford, they have plenty of guys. The real question is Marcus Smart is now getting himself healthy. If Marcus Smart inserts himself into the series, Boston wins this series easily. And it won't be the uh, Milwaukee-Toronto Finals, it's going to be Boston and Toronto Eastern Finals. And I would also think the Bucks have to find some help for Giannis because as you as you 
obviously can tell when the when you go deeper into the playoffs, the defenses tend to take more away from you the farther you go. Exactly. And the one thing with Boston is that they have guys, I mean, you can't say he can guard Giannis, but they have guys who can basically make Giannis work for it. Jason Tatum is long. Um, he's not even as long as Giannis, but, you know, Morris, Morris is a, is a tough-nosed guy. They're going to use the fouls. They're going to, they're going to make Giannis work for this. That's why Chris Middleton, you guys show why he's an all-star. They gotta have to get Brooke Lopez to get uh, to pull out Horford so they can start using backdoor cuts. Tony Snell, if Miritich can find his range and so can Ilyasova, this is going to be the series that you want to eat popcorn and watch for for, the, for for six seven games. So, who do you like ultimately in this series? Are you leaning Boston? I'm taking. I, I picked Boston from the start of the season to win the Eastern Conference. And I'm not changing. I think it's Boston, Toronto, and East. Okay. All right, and then let's uh, go to the Western Conference uh, action tonight. Uh, Houston taking on Utah. They're up 3-1 into that series. You trust they'll uh, finish things off tonight? I don't think that's serious. I mean, even though Donovan Mitchell's performance the other, uh, game four was a very good performance, I don't see the series going back to Utah. Rockets should win this one, especially since they're at home. And then Golden State and the LA Clippers. The you know they We had the one game where the Clippers came back and had the monster comeback from 31 down. But, at, you know, Golden State, can they just really turn it on whenever they want to? I, I think what happened was I think the injury to DeMarcus Cousins in that game, I think it shell-shocked them. I think they got the big lead. They got the, they, they, you know, we're going to blow this team out. And they forgot that Lou Williams, I will I'll say this here first, Lou Williams is a Hall of Famer. And he's the greatest six-man in the history of the NBA. And he showed why. I mean, if you want, you want to say a human torch and a human uh, scoring machine, that's what Lou Williams is, and that's what he did in that game. There's no way that bench is going to score that many points every single night against the Golden State Warriors. Clippers fans be glad they got this one. The series should have been a sweep. And I think the Warriors will end this thing tonight. And as we get ready for the, the weekend, when we have Houston and Golden State get started this weekend. And then, uh, of course, the the, uh, the other matchups out on the, the Western side, uh, Denver and San Antonio. Denver up three games or two going into Thursday night. Do you see Denver finishing that off? I, I, I see. I see Denver finishing the series. Um, I think I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if San Antonio did win Game Six. I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm thinking Denver is going to win to close it out. Um, I think it's just too much Jokic, and I think Denver is starting to find their stride uh, in this series to start to find themselves in the playoffs. I think the the first couple games is all about youth, but I think the Nuggets have now found their stride, so I think they take care of this tomorrow night. And Swartz, the winner of that series, will face the Portland Trailblazers, who uh, knocked out Oklahoma City in dramatic fashion. Everybody talking about Damian Lillard's 37-put, three-point bomb to finish that one off. And, oh, by the way, he scored 52. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, it was I mean, the 32 in the first half. I mean, who calls a 37-foot game winner with a series online? Only Damian Lillard could do that. Uh, it, it, it's phenomenal. It's, it's an amazing performance. And if Damian Lillard wants to get himself to that superstar level that he's been wanting people to recognize him for, he's got to beat the Denver Nuggets. He's got to get his team to the Western Conference Finals. And I'll be honest with you, he has a fair chance doing it against Denver than San Antonio. Because I would, I think if Pop had that series to, to deal with Damian Lillard, there's find a way to keep him from doing what he did in that series. So if it's Denver... We're looking at Golden State. We're looking at potentially Golden State and Portland in the Western Conference Finals. 
And the Portland, Oklahoma City series had, you know, obviously the storylines with Westbrook and Lillard. And obviously there's been smack talk forever in, in sports and particularly in the NBA. What do you make of all the gesturing that, that went on during that series? You know what? I, I think the playoff is showmanship. Um, and I think David, David Lillard explained the reason why he waved by on the sideline. You know, if you go back to game three, you know, he remembered when Oklahoma City won that game three, how the Thunder were celebrating the fact they won one game and there's handshakes and everything else. And he didn't take too kindly to that. And so, you know, in, in the art of war, you, as the old, you know, you do what you have to do. And what happened, you get a 37-footer to end the series. And what do you do? You wave bye-bye to your opponent because there's no coming back. So I, I think it's the showmanship. Um, as long as nobody, nobody's face about it and it's not being disrespectful, you know, you're not, you know, not doing it, you know, just, just not making it disrespectful. I think it's great for the game because it shows, especially when you're at home, because, you know, Jeff, you saw those fans last night when Lillard pointed to that sideline, you probably had, I, I know I did, I had goosebumps <laughs> just listening to that, the listening to that crowd, you know, I always wish I could have been there when Lillard hit that shot. Can you imagine Jeff being there with, with 19,000 Blazer fans and Lillard hits that shot to win the series? It's amazing. That would have been, yeah, it's definitely a frenzy there. So in the Western Conference semifinals, you're you're looking at Golden State, Houston. What do you see there? Uh, a series that's completely changed now. With DeMarcus Cousins being out, this is a rematch of last year's conference finals. It's really, I mean, you have the same two teams as last year. Um, the, the difference was DeMarcus Cousins was supposed to be a member of the Warriors. Now you're replaced DeMarcus Cousins with Andrew Bogan. This series changes completely. If the Rockets, Chris Paul, can dominate the series like he did last year, the Rockets will beat the Warriors. Because I don't think the Warriors can't stop James Harden. And James Harden is beating the Warriors during the season by himself. But if he gets Chris Paul to be the Chris Paul that that we're all used to seeing and has a a, a vintage performance, they have a hard time keeping Capella off the boards. And as long as Eric Gordon and guys like Gerald Green and P.J. Tucker... Are knocking down threes? Hey, Jeff, the Rockets have a chance at this. It really all depends on Chris Paul. And and who are you ultimately predicting on that series? I'm picking, I'm, I'm saying Warriors in seven, and I'm saying I'm saying Blazers over the Nuggets in in six. If the Spurs win, I'm taking Spurs over Blazers in seven. Okay. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, and um, uh. Again, uh, take some time to uh, to shamelessly plug everything that uh, Danny Thompson does at Around the Association. Jeff, I appreciate the time you had on the show tonight. Um, I I am the lead writer and um, and curator of AroundTheAssociation.com. We cover everything, all thirty teams, um, all across the league. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're doing what we call the What's Next. Um, actually, the Orlando Magic will be out tomorrow morning. Uh, where we, I, I break down and give you kind of an overview of what the summer looks like to each of the teams. Um, also, NBA draft coverage is coming. Uh, and also, my daily podcast, um, the Around the Association podcast. Uh, it's been going on four days a week now. Um, so, I, I don't write about the, the games that happened previous to that. I do a podcast on it to get you caught up. That way, when you go to work the next morning and you're at the water cooler, you know, everybody's talking about the playoffs because that's what we do until June. You won't feel left out. And all the podcasts are 15 minutes or less. Makes it even easier to listen to as you drive to work. The Snack Size Podcast, right? <laughs> you know what? I've learned, you know, it's like, you know, people appreciate the 10 to 15 minute podcast. 
Um, they love it actually because I get I get it, I get one topic in and I really get to expound on it and have a lot of fun. With it, so I love it. Out- outstanding and great job by you, Danny. As always, we appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, so if you aren't checking out Around the Association, make sure you do so. Danny's doing some fine work over there covering the National Basketball Association. And as you heard on the intro and outro music bed, broken out the old CBS NBA basketball theme music. As many of you who listen to my show know, I'm a bit of a nerd for production and how broadcasts are put together and how announcers work and things like that. So uh, I relish the opportunity to play this one. Most people will select NBC's NBA theme music of the 90s as their favorite, the John Tesh round ball rock, but I'm giving a nod to this one. Because when I hear this, it's the Bird Magic era. And you hear Brent Musburger, Dick Stockton, Tommy Heinsohn, Brings back a lot of great memories from the heydays of the 80s. And this is certainly music I enjoy quite a bit. As always, we thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast. Go to JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. Pick your favorite podcast uh, provider. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Tune in, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now we are on Stitcher too. So uh, make sure you check that out. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.